Welcome to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, where we explore God's Word, not simply to learn more about the Bible, but to consider how to apply its wisdom. I'm your host, Svea Mary, and each week I'm joined by talented women from our congregation. We invite you to imagine yourself sitting here with us, enjoying a great discussion as friends about God and how His Word helps us take our next steps to become the women God intends for us to be. Today, we've arrived at our final episode in this series on Luke. I can hardly believe it's gone by this quickly. And we are finishing with yet another great passage. We're looking at Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 49. Now, in this story, we have drama, we have emotions, or surprise, intrigue, and most importantly, we have incredible truths about Jesus that impact our lives and our understanding of who he is and what it means to be his follower. I am so pleased that Jan Wright is back today to close out this series in Luke. Welcome, Jan. Thank you, Svea. I feel like I'm usually the opener and the closer. (laughs) It's perfect. It's like your designated role on our team, and I love that because you do that so well. It's wonderful that we can bookend Mm. this series together. Um, I thought before we get into this passage, though, I would mention something briefly about why we've chosen certain passages and not others. I've gotten some questions on that that were very helpful, Uh, because there are so many wonderful and crucial sections in Luke that we've passed right over. Mm -hmm. And and frankly, it's kind of broken my heart to to (laughs) turn the page and think, oh, I want to talk about this part of Luke, too. But it's not a two-year study, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, all along, we've been exploring Luke with this perspective of what we can learn about being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And so it was through that lens that we selected the passages that we did. And and what I found is that each week as we've gone through them, I felt like, oh, I think this might be my favorite one so far. (laughs) You know, like, well, like, you can't pick which child you love the most. They're all so precious to you. But, uh, but I think today might potentially be my favorite one so far. What we're going to see in this story is something very important about Jesus that is highly relevant to all of us, and that is that fully devoted followers of Jesus seek to know him for who he truly is, for who he truly is as revealed through all of Scripture, rather than having an incomplete view of him through our own preconceived ideas. So before we jump directly into uh, the the middle of Luke 24 here, Jan, I thought maybe we'd want to put this passage in some context. Yeah, this happens, uh, it's Sunday following Jesus' crucifixion on the previous Friday, and many Jews have been in Jerusalem for Passover. Many had built their hopes on seeing Jesus arrive in town the week before, waving palm branches at him, shouting Hosanna, and expecting that he would be the one to redeem their people and become the new king of the Jews. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's a cultural tension that was going on at the time. Jesus was a very polarizing figure, uh, particularly among the Jews. There were some Jews that were walking away from everything they'd ever known to follow him. They recognized in him something that was so different than the rabbis that they had learned from before, mm-hmm. that, that he was truly a, an amazing, amazing um, speaker of God's word. I don't want to use incorrect words that we're going to correct later. Um, But for others, they were just ready to see him die a bloody death. They wanted him out of the picture completely. And, uh, you know, without making too much of a parallel, I just, I do think about our culture today. We live in a very polarized society. 
these days where tensions are running high and uh, no matter what decisions are made, some people will love it, some people will hate it. And uh, yeah, perhaps we have more in common than differences in this setting. It, it does at times feel like we're living a, an echo of first century yeah. life sometimes as we well, read through these stories. Today's story happens immediately on the same day that Jesus was resur- resurrected. And it was after the women went to the tomb and discovered it empty. And they were told by the angels that Jesus have, had risen from the dead. And it's that same day that two men are traveling on the road to Emmaus, about a two-hour walk headed out of Jerusalem. Now keep that in mind, because that's going to be important later on. Mm-hmm. And we see as we open the story, we'll read the first couple paragraphs in a minute here, but these two that are walking are just deep in conversation, really processing the events of the past week. And and I picture these guys in this past week before this story happens, many of these Jews had arrived for Passover. Maybe, you know, they were among the ones that were waving palm branches and shouting mm-hmm. Hosanna, expecting that Jesus was going to be the, the new king who would redeem their people and, uh, and, and make everything right the way that they expected him to make it right. Uh, but, uh, but again, yeah, they definitely expected to be freed from Roman oppression and restored to the previous prominence and influence that they'd had in the world. Mm -hmm. But now that doesn't seem to be what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, this story, I love this story for so many rich details. So why don't we read uh, the first bit of it? I'm thinking verses 13 to 24. And and as as you listen, as uh, maybe I'll have Jan read these verses for us, listen for some of these details, the emotion that's here, um, what these people are doing. Um, There's just, there's a lot here. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. (laughs) So who were these two on the road, Svea? Yeah, well, that's one of those fun mysteries. Uh, we know from verse 18 that one of them was named Cleopas. We can kind of gather from the whole text that these were disciples of Jesus. Now, not not part of Jesus's 12 disciples or the 11 that were remaining after Judas's departure, but uh, but they were probably people that had been close followers of Jesus. They, they identify with knowing the women who had been there at the tomb that morning to discover that Jesus was no longer there. Um, so, so likely people that were disciples of Jesus, just not necessarily in his inner circle. Um, many scholars say the the additional one that's not named here, maybe it was Cleopas's wife. That would make mm-hmm. some sense where later in the story they invite Jesus to stay mm-hmm. with them. 
Um, so that's a logical guess. Others um, point to early church documents that identify this this second person as Simon, uh, not necessarily Simon Peter that we know because we have him distinguished uh, later in the story. Um, some even suggest that it might be Luke himself. Luke was believed to have also been a follower of Jesus, although we don't know when and, and how that happened. Um, but that would be kind of an interesting thing. Luke appears to tell stories about himself later in the book of Acts. Um, so it, it might be, but we'll never know. We'll have to find, or we will know at some point when we get to heaven, <laughs> but we might not know until we get there. Um, but either way, they were people who knew Jesus and who cared deeply about what had happened to him, that they were grieving his death. And uh, and so how amazing that all of a sudden Jesus appears. Yeah, I can just kind of picture them walking somberly away from Jerusalem, you know, filled with disappointment, mm-hmm. grief, confusion. Maybe the news from the women and Peter and John left them feeling so overwhelmed that they just decided to head for home. But mm-hmm. they're walking and processing everything together out loud when Jesus walks up and just asks them what they're talking about. Yeah. And they stop, their faces showing all the sadness, and Cleopas kind of sarcastically responds with raw emotion and kind of an edgy attitude. Yeah, it's like, what rock have you been living under (laughs) that you don't know what's been going on? (laughs) Yeah, I love the fact, though, that Jesus starts with a question. I just find that remarkable. Mm. I mean, I think so often we're tempted in our discussions to just jump in with information and a monologue. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he certainly had the answers to their questions. But yet, through a series of just very simple questions, we gain a lot of details about these two's concerns and their interpretation of the events surrounding Jesus' death. Yeah, so let's talk about that, because their understanding was kind of incomplete. To say the least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, but it's it's fair. I, you know, I don't think we can necessarily fault them. Like, you know, the idea that uh, that they should have expected Jesus to return from the dead is not something that we necessarily would, would want to put on their shoulders with the information they had. But yeah, they do say very specifically in verse 19 that, that what they believed about Jesus was that he was a prophet, that he was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people and and uh, then they had grief over the guilt that they felt from their Jewish leaders being the ones that were plotting to make sure that they figured out a way to have Jesus killed. Um, they, they have a very incomplete view of the picture here. Yeah, I I think that's quite intriguing on a whole lot of levels, despite Jesus giving them clues all along the way about who he was and what his mission was. But before we're too hard on them, I think we also have to remember that we often have an incomplete view of Jesus as well. Mm. And I love Tim Keller's approach when people tell him they don't believe in God or they've rejected him. He sometimes asks them to describe the God that they're rejecting, and upon hearing them describe their understanding of God that is inaccurate or incomplete, he agrees that he doesn't believe in that God either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not rare that either us or or people that we're talking to will will discover, you know, maybe some of the things that we've we've got preconceived ideas about God and what we think He should do, what He should be, how He should act, uh, may be an inaccurate view, and uh, and I think that is one of the reasons why. We have not only community to help us process things, but especially the scriptures 
because we know that the scriptures are our source of complete truth, and it's an unchanging source of information about who God truly is and how he has chosen to reveal himself so that we can know uh, the, the accurate truth about God. I find this detail that um, the two people in the narrative lay the blame for Jesus' death on the Jewish leaders to be quite fascinating to me because mm. we know that Jesus was tried in the Roman judicial system and only the Romans had the authority to execute someone. And of course, from reading the scriptures, I know the role that the Jewish leaders had in it, but I didn't realize that apparently this was pretty well known. And mm. so I, I find that a very intriguing perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go back and read Luke 22, you see multiple places where it talks about it being the chief priests and scribes that were seeking to put him to death, that there was this plot that was building, that it was, you know, some of these same people that were in the garden at Jesus's arrest, that he was tried there. So, yeah, but but it's a great point you make. It, you know, I wonder how many of, of the Jews that observed all of these events were aware that it was their leaders that had killed their Jesus, their hope, mm-hmm. their uh, the person that they thought was going to be their redeemer. Mm. They had an incomplete view of the story, too. I mean, they assumed that they were at the end of the story, but they were actually somewhere in the middle. And mm. I think that's a helpful concept as we think about our own lives. We get discouraged sometimes because our view of our story is incomplete. We think we're at the end, but Mm. we're somewhere probably in the middle as well, because the end is not the end until we're at the very end of history. Mm. I love that point. Well, why don't we move on to the next section, because uh, we don't want to leave these guys just still in their grief and sadness and disappointment (laughs) and shock when when something amazing is about to happen. Uh, Do you mind if I I read this next part? Let's do verses 25 to 35. So he said to them, Jesus speaking here, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's (laughs) nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. (laughs) They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up, and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Is that not amazing on so many levels? I mean, first you have Jesus teaching the Bible to you. Yeah. And- <laughs> What I would give to be part of that Bible study. (laughs) Exactly. And note that he was teaching through the Old Testament, and it has plenty of information to give detail about who Jesus is and his mission on earth. And Mm. he starts at the beginning with Moses and then the prophets and explains to them what was in the scriptures concerning himself. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I also love the detail. I mean, as remember, as they approach their destination, it's nearly evening. It's not a good time to travel. It appears Jesus was going further. They invite him to stay. They share a meal. Suddenly their eyes are open, and now they're going to just head right back to Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great detail. Um, I find it so fascinating, though, that these were people that were followers of Jesus. They must have known him. So it's it's almost bizarre that not only did they not recognize him as they were walking and talking together, but then he's even taking the time as they're talking to teach them in scripture everything, and they're still not aware that they're standing right next to the resurrected Jesus. Uh, I think we have to acknowledge that there's a supernatural component at work here, um, that, that it wasn't just that they didn't recognize him, but that earlier in the passage it had said their eyes were kept from recognizing. Yeah, him. clearly supernatural. There seems to be no other explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, of course, they weren't expecting to see someone back from the dead, even though Jesus <laughs> now explained to them why they should have expected that. Uh, but what a fascinating thing. And and I think even though we're, you and I are unlikely to have the same experience that in the same way they did, it is worth thinking about how it's a common thing for us to experience the Spirit opening our eyes to to recognize Jesus and to recognize the truth about him in the scriptures. I think so, especially as we're studying the scriptures, as we experience life, mm-hmm. we begin to deepen our understanding of Jesus and his character, even seeing the same situation through new eyes and with new illumination. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if the Spirit had very specific timing in this story for these people, that he waited until they were breaking bread together, till they were at home, fellowshipping around a meal, um, that, that for whatever the reason was, like, this is the moment when they should recognize Jesus. And maybe that can bring comfort to us, too, if there's a loved one that we've been praying for to recognize the truth about Jesus or, or even just an insight we feel like we need in our own lives and we're just not there yet, um, that maybe it's just not the Spirit's timing yet, mm. but that we can take comfort that when it is time for our loved ones, for us to, to have our eyes opened to the truth about Jesus, that the Spirit will do that. Yeah, we're still in the middle of the story. Yeah, And exactly. a lot of times we think we're at the end. Well, let's look at the last few verses here, verses 36 through 49. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Mm. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of all these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed from power on high. Hmm. 
Hmm. Can you imagine Jesus just appearing suddenly? Other gospel accounts make it clear that the disciples at this point were in a locked room. So the only way that he was there was just through this kind of bizarre, miraculous appearing in the middle of the room. And and so he can't fault the disciples when they're startled, thinking that they've got a ghost right. <laughs> in their appearance. But I love that Jesus makes it clear that he's not just spirit, that he is physically there with them, even eating with them. I, I just, again, love the practical aspects of that. You know, do you have any broiled fish? And so he eats them to, again, give them confidence. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. But but the real key in this, we're looking at this particular theme of recognizing Jesus for he, who he truly is, as how is revealed about him in the scriptures. In verse 40, 44, when he's saying, Everything I told you is true. Everything had to be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. In verse 45, I love this detail that he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Now, if you'd noticed with the Emmaus Road disciples, their eyes were opened so they could recognize Jesus. And now for the rest of the disciples, their minds were opened so they could understand the scriptures. I love that. And the bottom line message that he's given to them is that he suffered and rose again so that our sins could be forgiven. And he has left us the gift of the Holy Spirit, which will teach us and comfort us until he returns. Mm. And, and you know, we have questions about who Jesus is, and, and we may have an incomplete understanding. And, and so I think a natural question is, well, how do we have that accurate understanding of Jesus? How do we avoid failing to recognize him or not understanding who he is? And, uh, and these two stories give us that bedrock foundation that we can understand Jesus through, for who he is as he's revealed in all of scriptures. And, uh, and as we close out this series on Luke, um, maybe it's just an exciting springboard not to think that we're ending our study of Luke, but this is a great <laughs> motivation to keep reading about Jesus in all of Scripture and, uh, and to learn more and more and to see him for who he is. Uh, because I think that's the ultimate conclusion uh, for this study is that the truly fully devoted follower of Jesus seeks to know him for who he is from all of scripture. And we want to be women that recognize that. I'd like to close this series out by praying. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you chose to reveal yourself in this way to us in a way that we can go back to day after day after day to learn more we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to recognize you, to open our minds to understand you. God, we know you're a God that wants us to know you and to understand you and to follow you. And so I just ask right now in this moment, if there's someone listening who does not yet know you, that your spirit would be at work in their lives to draw you, draw them to you, and that you would open eyes and open minds to understand so that we could all be your fully devoted followers and grow in our love for you and our love for other people because of the way that you have loved us. We do love you, Lord. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast, a production of Autumn Ridge Church. 
We appreciate the technical assistance provided by Josiah Novinger, Ian Benoit, Robert Nash, and others from our wonderful staff. We'd love to hear your comments or questions on this or any other episode, and you could reach us at women at autumnridgechurch.org. 